In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to open the Bibles or in a more modern version, click your iPads to First Peter. And we'll continue our study of the book of First Peter chapter 2. And in the time that we have, I, uh, we'll see how best we can I read from verse 11 through to verse 25, but obviously we'll not be covering the whole lot because I believe that uh, essentially that's one unit of thought. And in order for us to get, a, get an understanding of what the Lord wants to say unto us, I invite you to read with me from verse 11 onwards. Now, I'll be pausing in between and giving you certain comments which will help you to understand this book and understand this passage. First Peter chapter 2, 11 through to 25. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Now he's speaking to people who are citizens. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the emperor. Are we speaking to servants? Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And finally, he's giving us an example in Christ Jesus. He says, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. While he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him 
who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Would you bow with me in prayer for a moment? Precious God, we give you thanks for your word. Lord, we thank you for this time that you gave us to recognize those who have shown themselves approved workmen who need not be ashamed. Beginning from the children even unto the adults, God, you've given this church the grace to teach, to teach your word without adulteration. And Lord, a humble prayer is these children who go out. Lord, they would live as sojourners and as pilgrims, all for your glory. You also pray for those who completed the various levels of discipleship. Indeed, O oh Lord, it is not an end, but a means to an end. Father, let them not treat it as an achievement, but a means for greater achievement. You have put the tools into our hands. Now help us all to use those tools that we may bring glory to your name. And essentially that is what Peter is speaking unto us through this this passage, we pray, God, that you would help us realize and recognize the impact that we have on a watching world. And you've also given us an example in Christ Jesus of how we must live. Therefore, God, we pray that in the time that is left, we would pray that you would quicken your word unto us. And Lord, give us hearing ears an understanding heart, and a willing mind. Lord, we pray that you would help us all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We have about 15 minutes, and I don't know what to do. But essentially, verse 11 and 12 is what we would cover. And it's good that the young children are also here. Essentially, verses 11 and 12 is what we would cover, and that has got two directives and one goal. It's got two directives and one goal. However, I don't want you to think that these directives have again been given unto us. You see, there's, there's one way of reading the Bible which says that the Bible is a book of do's and don'ts. And then after reading it, you close your Bible and you think, now, that, how would God ask me to do something and I keep doing it and I get frustrated doing it? And you go away frustrated. That's one way of reading the Bible. The other way of reading the Bible is from the perspective of what God has already done. So there's a, man-centered way of interpreting this scripture or all scriptures and there's a God-centered way of interpreting it. And 
the God-centered way of interpreting this scripture is seeing what are the two directives and what is the ultimate goal. So the two directives, you could say first one is quite clear. It says that abstain from fleshly lust, given in verse 11. And the other directive in verse 12 is keep your conduct clean. That means, if you would will a euphemism, keep your noses clean. So these are the two directives and I could give it to you and you could go out of this place and you could be thinking, now I've been trying to do that for a long, long time, but how? And for what purpose? So therefore, I want to turn this around and help you to understand this from God's perspective. What is God trying to tell us in this scripture? What does he want from us and how has he enabled us? Number one, if I were to say, abstain from fleshly lust, I would say God is interested in your inner being. Now, that's the God-centered way of giving the same command. And I want you to go out of this place thinking, God is more interested in my soul. And the second command over here is that you abstain from fleshly lust so that your behavior is good. Now, how do you bring that from a God-centered perspective? You bring that by saying, God wants me and is interested in how I behave. So number one, God is interested in what I believe. God is interested in how I behave. Now those are the two directives, but then there is a goal. And that goal is given at the end of verse 12. And that goal is that, so that, you see, anytime you come to so that, you find a cause and an effect. You find a reason and a justification. You find a, a commandment and a reason for giving the commandment. So the next time you see a so that, it's quite easy for you. Here it is so that the Gentiles dot 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 might glorify God. Do you see that? Do you see that in that scripture? Now, these, there, there are two things that the world is not interested in. I mean, if the world was interested in these two things, our televisions would look different. The advertisements would look different. Earlier we were scared of watching movies, now we are even scared of watching advertisements. Right? And we are even scared of opening the in-flight magazine in an aircraft. That would look different. So what is God's interest in you and I living a holy life? And what does the world reject? Number one, the world rejects or it has made inconsequential the price of the soul. Now, I'm not making that up. That's in verse 11. That says that you need to abstain from fleshly lusts. 
Why? Because it is a war against your soul. And the world is not interested in this war. They are oblivious to this war. They are, they, they do not want to recognize that there is a war going on. But God's word says that there is a war going on and it is imperative, it is supremely important that you understand that this war is against your soul. Your soul is under attack. You are assaulted day after day in your soul. Now the moment I said fleshly lust, because of the Adamic nature, all of us must have thought about sexual sins. But that's not what the first century people recognized fleshly lust as. If you want a list of fleshly lust, you need to go to Galatians 5. You will read from verse 19 onwards. A lot of sins. You could go to Mark 7, verse 14 onwards. A lot of sins. And see if you recognize any of this. Wrath. Have you been attacked by wrath lately? Inordinate affections. Idolatry. Now these are the list of fleshly lusts. Which, the, which God says you need to abstain. Now abstain is simply that. Means keep away. Walk away from it. Don't even go near. Don't play around with it. Don't fool around. Abstain. Take your hands off. Why? Because it wars against your soul. It destroys you. Jesus said that there was a man who lived sumptuously and there was a beggar at his door. And both died and were carried. One to the bosom of Abraham. The other was tormented in hell. And for a season that they were granted to see one another. And the man who was tormented called out to Abraham and said, Let this man come down and dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. And Abraham said that there is a gulf between us. It cannot be bridged. The soul that is once lost is lost forever. And the world does not care about it. Do you care about it? And now, you are shaking your head because you care about your soul. Do you care about the soul that is mentioned in verse 12? The Gentiles. The nations. You are here. If this roof were to collapse on you, you know where you would wake up. At least the most of you, I trust. But are you concerned with the concern that God has? You keep your inwards clean so that your soul might be saved. Number one, there are, there are two things that God is interested in, supremely interested in. One is the salvation of souls and the second one is the glory of God. Who is the most God-centered person? God himself. 
There cannot be anyone more God-centered than God. He is concerned about His glory. That's why Isaiah says, I will share my glory with no one. So God is concerned about His own glory and God is concerned in this glory when the unbelievers would begin to rise up and give Him glory. So that's the second thing that the world is not concerned about. They don't worry about God's glory. Are you interested in God's glory? Would you want to give glory to God? Now, we give glory to God through our service. But here, the invitation is to give glory to God through evangelism. Now, we've been saying abundant life. Abundant grace. And grace abundantly. A pastor taught us, well done. But are you saying abundant grace to the Gentiles? Grace abundantly through my life to the unbelievers. Is that a cry of your heart or is it me, myself, us four and no more? Because that's not how Peter understood this and I pray and I plead. That's not how you should understand abundant life. Inconsequential things are inconsequential in heaven. You will not carry half of the things the world treasures the moment you die. That's why Jesus says that store up treasures in heaven because what you store up here on earth is going to be rusted. Thieves are going to break through steel and then you would be disappointed. But the flow of thought, I want you to see the flow of thought in the next few minutes. The flow of thought is number one, keep yourself clean. Your inside. Why? Because the outside is a manifestation of what is inside. Jesus said, told the Pharisees that you, you chaps keep the cup and the saucer and the plates and the, and the pans are clean on the outside, but inside. Why? Because what is outside is manifestation of what is inside. You do certain things because you are certain things. You sin because you are a sinner. It's not that you are a sinner because you sin. I was born and I came forth in iniquity, says David. So the flow of thought is, number one, you keep your inwards clean so that your outwards behavior towards the Gentiles would be clean. And as a result of that, these Gentiles will slander you for a season. These people are going to say that, I don't know, this man irritates me. Why? Because you live in a standard that is higher than their own. Or hopefully you should. Chapter 4 says that, and they are surprised that you do not flow with them. John 15, Jesus says that they have hated you because you belong to me. And this is the flow of thought. Number one, you keep your inwards. Allow God to clean your inwards. You abstain from fleshly lust. Number two, you 
And because of what is inside you now, your outward acts are clean. And number three, the Gentiles, the, the goal of all this, in these two verses, the supreme goal is that the Gentiles are watching you. Do you know you're being watched? Constantly you're being watched. Now how does a Gentile give glory to God? Read verse 12 with me again. It says that the Gentile will give God the glory. Have you wondered? Now, the believers give God glory. But how would the Gentile give God glory? Now, what is sandwiched over there between your behavior and they giving glory to God is time. That's time. That's the time when you let your light shine. You continue doing the good things through the power of the Holy Ghost. You keep bearing the good fruit. You are wondering, how do I do this? I'm telling you, you do this because Christ has gone to the cross. He says that, and when I go, I shall send you another helper. And because the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, you would be able to to live a life that bears fruit. You see, Galatians 5 is so beautiful. It says that the works of the flesh, it's a manufacturing unit. The works of the flesh is X, Y, and Z. But the fruit of the Spirit. Nobody in this world has ever manufactured fruit. And nobody ever will. Fruit is born on the tree. John 15, if you need to bear fruit, you need to abide. You see the thought? You see how Peter's mind is working? You see how God put this into the mind of Peter so that we would understand. We live a good life. We keep ourselves clean from the inside. From the outside, our work is good. And then the Gentiles watch. First, they slander. Why? Because you are irritating to them. Because you would not play those same games that they play. You would not cheat. You would not steal. Ephesians 5 says that, and do not... Do do not go into the works of darkness, but reprove them. That means drag them into the light. When someone says that I'm going to falsify my per diem report, I'm going to say that I ate in a five-star hotel while he has eaten from the shop, and he says that I'm going to claim about 50 reals from the company, you say that I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to let you do that. Because I'm truthful. If the boss asked me, were you with him? Yes, I was with him. Where did you eat? We ate in a small cafeteria. And then your behavior irritates him. But then in course of time, and we are closing now, in course of time, your act causes him to be saved. Why? The key is given in 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. And then they will ask you a reason for your hope. Why are you giving so generously? How can you live so boldly? How do you not worry? You're migrating to another country. How can you go there and and you're not worried about your job? You're not worried about your family? How do you live that? They are asking you a question. And now they have observed your good conduct. They're asking you the question and you're going to respond and you're going to say the reason for your hope. Now what is hope? Hope is built on nothing less. And that's the reason that they will break. And in the fullness of time, they will say, to God be the glory. So your inward life and your outward life works among the Gentiles to give God the glory. 
And that's how an unbeliever give God glory. Are you interested in that? Do you want to do that? Would you bow your heads with me? And I want to pray for one group of persons who does not even have this in them. I'm going to pray God that you would help us to live not according to to the world's standard. To watch closely where my desires are. I want you to pray earnestly. Father, from this day, abundant life, let my life count for something. Let my life count for something and you have been given the privilege of sacrificing. Do you know that you and I have been given the privilege of sacrificing, saying no to even those good things if it does not edify and win over an unbeliever. Tell the Lord, Father, from this day, let me watch what I say, let me watch what I wear, let me watch how I behave, let me watch what I eat, let me behave in such a way, because you have cleansed me from the inside. Lord, I don't want to live the same way I used to live. And because Christ is my role model, because I esteem Christ supremely valuable than my momentary pleasure, I am going to say no to every manner of ungodliness and wickedness and debauchery. And I am going to say yes to you, God, so that this year, Towards the end of this year, my father, abundant evangelism would be seen in our church in the name of Jesus. Lord, that the Gentiles would begin to worship you as redeemed people in this auditorium by the end of the year. Because of how I have lived, God, give me the grace to do that. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's just continue to commit this time into the Lord's hand. Thank the Lord because in this very short period of time, God has impressed upon us. God has spoken to us. He's given us directives. He's set us a goal. Abstain from fleshly lusts. Keep your conduct clean. Those are the directives. So that the Gentiles shall glorify God. And that is the goal. Shall we ask God right now that we earnestly desire to abstain from fleshly lusts? Can we tell God that we want to keep our insides clean so that what the Gentiles see on the outside will be something by which they can glorify God? Just praise God. Just thank Him right now. Very clear directives. Very simple directives. But God has spoken. Father God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us directives today. And Father God, we pray, Lord, that we will live lives that will be able to keep up those directives, Lord. That your goal that you have set, us, set before us this day shall be accomplished, Lord Father. 
We thank you, Lord. We give glory to you. We thank you, Lord, for your servant whom you have used this day, Lord Father. And we pray, Lord Father, that in days to come you shall continue to use him, Lord Father. Give him further opportunities, Lord Father, where he can expound on your word, Lord Father. That we shall be blessed, Lord Father. We pray for him and his family, Lord Father. And we pray, Lord, that you shall take care of them, Lord. We give glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.